LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Unseen Leadership Podcast, where we explore the unseen stories that shaped leaders into who they are today. So when, like when Brian and I started Belay in 2010, I never thought we would quit our jobs at the same time, cash in our retirement, and and start an organization that would be what it is today. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Who's that voice? This, this is Josh Hunter. Welcome to the Unseen Leadership Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, and I normally don't get to do the intro. <laughs> Chandler so humbly um, allowed me to do so this morning, so I'm so glad to be here. But I'm here with Chandler. Hey, hey. The co-host The co-host. The yeah. co-host so, today. So excited to be here. Chandler, who do we have with us today? We have Shannon Miles, who is the co-founder and co-chair of Belay Solutions, which is a virtual assistant company. Shannon, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. We're so excited for this conversation. So just to start out, uh, I was looking up Belay Solutions, and then it looks like there's uh, a meaning behind the word Belay and why you all named the company that. Can you just share a little bit why the company is named Belay? Yeah, it actually, uh, we went through a rebranding effort in late 2016 and into 17. So formerly we were EA Help and Mag Bookkeeping, which may be familiar to some of your listeners, but uh, it was a tough uh, decision to come up with a new name because we wanted it to mean something personal to us, but it not be about us at the same time. Um, so belay is a climbing term. If you're familiar with, with rock climbing at all. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you've just been to like an indoor climbing gym for like a kid's birthday party, you'll know the concept. <laughs> so, you know, it's somebody standing at the base of mm. uh, a cliff or a mountain and, and, and connecting themselves to somebody who's actually doing the climbing. Mm. So for, uh, and that whole process is being on belay. So for us, um, we are the guides in our customers, you know, hero journey, and we want to help support them to climb higher. And it's with that support that we provide through virtual assistants, bookkeepers and website specialists that our clients can actually climb higher than they could without that type of support. So that's the meaning behind Belay. I love that. So are you a climber yourself? Do you, do you go rock climbing? Um, you know, I do like a good birthday party indoors. Um, <laughs> and I do like to climb a little bit. My husband's a lot more adventurous, which he's the other co and the co-founder and yeah. co-chair role at Belay. So Brian is like, he's a for real climber, um, where he's, you know, climbed Mount Rainier and Mount Whitney and oh my goodness, um, he's got, yeah, he's got like the gear and everything. Yeah. Um, and the Grand Teton was probably the one of the most technical climbs he did where he had to do a blind rappel off of the mountain. Oh, wow. Um, something crazy like 12,000 feet. So for me to say I'm a climber feels <laughs> like, like disingenuous to his actual climbing. But I will say there's this thing called the Via Ferrata in Jackson Hole. Are you familiar with this mm -hmm. concept? I'm not. I think it was established like in the Alps, but basically it's a system of fixed ropes on like real mountains. So you're outdoors, you're at elevation and there are these fixed points and, and like a route, like different routes that you can take. So you're clipped in, so you're on belay, but you're with a guide. And, you know, if you fall, you're falling, you know, a few feet, uh -huh. not off the, the side of the mountain. So we've done that a couple of times and, and that's a lot of fun. Um, so 
you ever want to try rock climbing without the risk, that would be the way to go. That sounds like my type of rock climbing. <laughs> right. I, the blind belay, there's got to be some type of leadership analogy in that. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's trust, right? You have to trust. Here she goes. <laughs> to have your best interest in mind. And you have to really know what you're doing, but then also be comfortable with not having all of the control and all of the, the answers laid out in front of you. Shannon Miles, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Leadership 101. So, so much good stuff just in that simple question. One, one more climbing uh, question. Have you seen the documentary Free Solo? Oh my gosh. Yes. My palms were sweaty. Yes. Like, <laughs> and I'm not even afraid of heights. And I'm like, this kid is crazy. Yes. Um, so, so before Free Solo, did you see the Dawn Wall? Yes. It was really good. With Tommy Caldwell. That yep. was incredible. And then another good one that was like the first of what I would consider the series of like these insane climbing movies is Meru. I didn't see Meru. Jimmy Chen. Have you seen that one? Mm -mm. Ooh, add that to, if you like that like genre of movie, they climbed this impossible climb and it took several attempts to do it. It was very treacherous, but check that one out. Tommy Codwell's story is crazy. Just a crazy story. (sighs) Check it out. Well, if you're listening and you're like, I've never rock climbed or anything, Check out some uh, free solo. It's the story of Alex Honnold f- uh, climbing without any assistance up uh, El Capitan and Yosemite. So it is uh, no assistance as in no ropes, no ropes. You fall, nothing. it's over. So all that to say, Belay they have really good special effects. <laughs> yes, Belay Solutions, um, great company. So Shannon, <laughs> that's not why we're here. Yeah, uh, to no, talk about free solo. I would love to have a podcast about that, <laughs> but we're here to talk about the journey of how. Belay Solutions came to be and, and your leadership journey. And we're so excited to, to hear from you on this. So just let's hop into the first question here. Can you walk us through a quick overview of the different leadership roles that have led you to where you are today? Definitely. So um, I went to college at a small liberal arts school in the middle of Ohio called Mount Vernon Nazarene. It was college at the time. It's university now. They've upgraded. <laughs> um, and I started school pretty young. I was 17. I was one of those like early birthdays or late, depending on how you look at it. Yep. And um, went into school thinking, oh, I really like my psychology class. And I think it's interesting to study people's behavior and what motivates them. So I'll major in psychology and um, realized quickly that to actually work in the field of psychology, you pretty much had to pursue your doctorate. And that felt like a big commitment. (laughs) So I picked up another major in business. So ended up with a double major and thought for a long time, I was actually going to go into law. Wow. Um, Yeah. I worked in the legal fields um, as like a legal assistant and then paralegal and even took my LSAT. Wow. You Um, went that far. You you took the LSAT pretty far. I did. Wow, I did. Awesome. And, you know, at that time, I don't know how much law school is now, but this was like 99 into 2000. Um, it was about $100,000. So already having, you know, Brian and I met in college. So we walked away with like $50,000 worth of debt just for that <laughs> undergrad work. Um, and so then. Like, so really, what if we doubled that? <laughs> <laughs> what if we, yeah, let's just go ahead and double down on this debt and see where it takes us. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There was something in me that I just, I always loved the law. I thought it was intriguing. And at that time it seemed, you know, entrepreneurship was not what it is now. Yeah. Um, it was not a common practice for people to have that as a desire. 
when I was, you know, graduating. So it felt like, okay, you know, go to, go to, um, be a lawyer, a doctor, go into business to work for somebody else, but for yourself, no way. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I did some soul searching and really determined at the end of that, like I didn't want it bad enough. You know, I didn't want it a hundred thousand dollars worth. And then also seeing the end result of people who pursued law Mm. and what that did to their personal relationships and their family. And, you know, Brian and I were just getting started. We were only married a couple of years at that point. And I thought, I just don't know that I'm going to want to be where I think this is going to take me. So long story short, we ended up moving from Ohio down to Atlanta And that was like the height of the tech boom. So like all the dot bombs that were going on, we didn't know they were going to be bombs. They were very exciting at that stage. And I started working for a law firm in the city and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So I stayed there um, for about a year and I was in immigration law. Okay. Which has changed significantly since then, as you can imagine. I'm sure. Um, And the commute, you guys, the commute was horrible. At that point in time, it was an hour. Oh my goodness. Atlanta traffic. It's real. It is a real thing. (laughs) You guys are in Nashville, right? Yeah. We're we're nowhere close to Atlanta. Everybody's like, oh, we're we're getting close. I'm like, no. Which is insane to me because I moved here from Birmingham and I didn't realize how good I had it in Birmingham. (laughs) Then I got to Nashville and I'm like, this is hell on earth right now. (laughs) But then Atlanta, geez, it's crazy. I mean, I'm hearing that more and more. Like we go to Nashville several times a year and everybody's like, oh, the traffic. I'm like, Oh yeah. I, I feel you. I feel yep. you. Yeah. Atlanta traffic is a thing. It'll really change your life. <laughs> Sanctification. <laughs> it is a situation. <laughs> so anyway, once again, reevaluated, like, is this how I want to be spending my time? Is this really where I want my life heading? So I was very fortunate to find a job at McKesson. Um, only after being at that law firm for about a year, McKesson at that time, my division was in healthcare software. And I worked in the legal department there. And I was like, this is perfect. It's like the perfect blend of my legal background and my business degree. And that was like, I think that was God's launching pad Hmm. for me. Because I can tie back to that career shift, everything that I've done to date as like, that was the starting point for me to start my leadership. Mm, That's really, really good. You know, something that you said in there, uh, we don't didn't really think it was worth the hundred thousand dollar spend, but also seeing other people at the end of their lives and the different things that it cost them. And I've I've I realize or I've I have this this idea that people will spend money on what they think is worth it, you know. But at the end of the day, if your passions don't line up with something that's not worth it, it's definitely not worth the spend of money. But really, would you say that was more of like a passion conversation for you and your decision to not go ahead and fall through with law school, um, or was it? more financial than it was like passion, kind of the hedgehog language of where's my hedgehog? Where do I line up? Um, the good to great type language. Yeah, exactly. And it's so funny you mentioned good to great. Cause I was going to say that's, that's the book that I would recommend every young leader read. Yeah. That was transformational for me. So yeah, it was, all, it was a combination of all of those things. It was feeling like, um, all we were already buried in debt because we had to pay for our schooling ourselves. We And so the idea of taking on more, um, as opposed to trying to get out of it felt unwise. Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, you know, being so young, we, I was 20 or I'm sorry, I was 19 and Brian was 21 when we got married. So 
we were still growing up yeah and and learning who we were as individuals let alone as a couple so then the thought of taking on this not only financial burden of law school but also the time commitment and you know you're responsible for every you know 10 minute increment of your time and um knowing what that was going to translate to uh, personally for us, just, it felt like it was too big a risk to take then. No, I, I really, I, guess if I was more passionate about it. I could have justified those things. Um, so maybe that's the third part of the, <laughs> it's also a hundred thousand dollars, which is crazy. You know, it's yeah. really expensive. No joke. <laughs> and it kind of comes back to the hundred grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I started to realize too, like, you can practice law or you, you know, not practice law, but you can be law adjacent without being an attorney. So then I, you know, once I started working in that profession, I thought, oh gosh, I can still Mm. work on the type of things that I enjoy without the commitment and obligation of actually going to law school and becoming an attorney. That makes sense. So, so you moved down to Atlanta, you said that you had that career shift and it was a launching pad for what was next. So mm-hmm. how did Belay Solutions come about? I know you said that the dot-com boom and then the bomb um, and then the crash and all of that. So of course, Belay is a virtual assistant company. So how did that all come about as you were, that launching pad as you were talking about? So this is like a 10 year journey. So um, that was 2000. I started working at McKesson in the legal department. Okay, And then, uh, at the same time, Brian was working for a brand new startup company that was heavily funded in e-procurement. So his job was basically to um, work in the marketing department and play ping pong and take really elaborate business trips. It was the best job he's ever had. <laughs> that sounds incredible. That's great. I know, right? Imagine, shocker guys, you're not going to believe this. The company did not make it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. Can you, can you believe that? Like, but they got is- really good at ping pong. <laughs> I mean, they were so good at managing their money. Now, they blew through like tens of millions of dollars in a very short period of time. It was unreal. unreal. So all that said, Brian went through a season of time when I was still at McKesson where he was unemployed. Okay. Because he was, yeah, because that company started just peeling off layers of, of employees. Um, so, you know, still trying to pay off that college debt. Um, I was still working in the legal department and thought, okay, maybe this would be a good time to make a career shift and start to think about how to, to make more money to get out of debt. And then also, um, pursue a new passion that I had realized in working in legal is and going into sales. So that was, um, I should back up a little bit cause I had my first manager job in that legal department. And that's what I mean. Like the launch of my leadership path. Uh-huh. So, um, I was young, I was 22, 23 and became the assistant manager of that legal department. So I was leading people who were twice my age and I was mm. so green and dumb and intimidated by this whole experience <laughs> that I was just cocky enough to be like, sure, I could totally do this. Yeah. Um, and my, my leader believed in me, which meant the world. And she was really um, intent on grooming me. Mm. So um, her investment in me was really like pivotal. Anyway, so... Um, I led that department for a little while before I decided it was time to transition into sales. So then I started back at the bottom of the rung in the same company (laughs) and went through this like new college hire, even though I wasn't a new college hire program to, to learn sales for the company. 
And I did that for a few years. I loved it. Uh, a lot of travel to really uncool places like Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Like no disrespect <laughs> to anybody who lives there or has ever been there, but it's like you fly into St. Louis and then you drive for like two hours south. <laughs> to sit with if you live there, please leave a review and just let us know. Yeah, it's a lovely town. I've been there since. I have a whole different perspective on yeah. it now. But then I was like, why am I here? What is happening? Um, and and that was a, I learned a lot about uh, how to be a great leader in that position because I had some great leaders and then I had some not so great leaders in that role. Mm. Um, so then that was also the time where Brian and I had decided it would be um, great to start a family. And um, so at that point he had gotten another job and he was actually in sales as well. And I was in sales, both of us working full time on the road a lot. And so doesn't that seem like the perfect, that's the perfect time. I'm just racking my brain right now to think of better times and I can't come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> I know like maybe if one of us was just totally unemployed, that would have been a better time. Um, and so the plan was that, you know, I would go back to work. We would have a nanny lined up and we would just pick back up right where we left off. So that was great on paper. <laughs> um, had Rainy in 2005 and had some complications with her birth, but I, I was just overwhelmed with how much we actually wanted to be with her and the whole idea of continuing to work full time and traveling and caring for this this sweet baby seemed impossible. Yeah. Um, so we worked for a while to, to pray through what would be right for our family and decided, okay, I guess I'll just stay home with her and Brian will keep working. And um, even though I didn't really want to stop working and we financially couldn't afford for me to do that, it seemed like the only other option besides working full time. Hmm. Um. And I promise all of this is leading up to belay. That's great. All of it. Yeah. All of it. So <laughs> every single bit, every single bit of it. So what ended up happening is because we weren't financially prepared for one of us to not work. Um, and I was in sales. I had all these back commissions to be paid. So I went to my boss and I said, Hey, I have this plan. I think I need to stay home with this little baby girl. And I have all these back commissions. And then there's this part-time job that emerged during my maternity leave. What if I took that, phased out, and then stayed home? So basically transitioning from sales into another role within the organization for a season of time. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, that's not going to work <laughs> for me. Um, thanks for the offer, but yeah, you'll work it. it out. It'll be okay. And that was an example of not a great boss. Not a great boss for me. Um, but I was so convicted. Brian and I had prayed through it and really felt like, I, this is going to sound cheesy, I felt like God was calling me in that direction. So when I got that big no, I was like, wow. <laughs> what do I do did now? I read the situation mm -hmm. or what? Um, and so I, I was still convinced that that was the right path for our family. And I, at that point, I had nothing to lose because I knew I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. My pastor has this great, so Andy Stanley has this great phrase that says, when your um, desperation exceeds your embarrassment, you'll make a change. Mm -hmm. And I was so desperate at that point. I was like, I don't care if I'm going to embarrass myself. So I went to my boss's boss and gave him the same pitch. 
And I had worked with him before on some other deals. And he's like, yep, I've seen this happen before. It's not my first goat rodeo with yeah. so many kids. Like, <laughs> yep. let's make it work. And so what ended up, I thought it was going to be a temporary part-time solution, ended up working for our family for the next six years. Incredible. And that model of hybrid of working professionally, but still having the time you need with your family to pursue the things you want. Um, and your passions ended up being the model that we used to launch Belay in the sense of that's the the need, the, mm. that duality that we meet for our contractors that partner with us is what worked for our family for so long. So I knew the change that it could mean for somebody's life to be able to be an assistant and work from home and use their professional acumen that they acquired all these years, but that also have time to be there when the kids get off the bus. Man, that's awesome. So, so that, th- that situation for Brian and I ended up being the model for our, our contractor base at Belay. I think what I love about this story of Belay, and like you said, like really every single detail of that did lead up to the launch of Belay and the, the book, this is marketing by Seth Godin. I'm not sure if you've read it. Um, but Mm -hmm. my biggest takeaway from, and there's not even a quote that I can specifically think of from the book, but this, this idea of find a need for someone and then just be helpful. Mm. And, And for you, that came out of your own journey. And it was like, I have a need to be able to, to work this amount of hours or be able to do this for my family. And then it launched to be able to help others in that as well, but then also be able to create a whole company around that, which is, I, I love the idea behind that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Oh, that's awesome. What was your biggest mistake as a leader getting started, Shannon? Like how did that failure or apparent failure set you up later for success? Uh, like I mentioned, I was so very young when I first started to lead people who are way more seasoned and mature than I was. Um, so I made a lot of mistakes, but the one I'll share with you, (laughs) um, so I was doing everybody's performance reviews and we had like our standard objectives. Like, you know, if you're, if if you have a job description and you're doing the job, you're doing your job. And I was so ambitious Uh, that I thought, well, that's just the baseline, right? Like, I think everybody on the team should take on an additional project. (laughs) And that way they can exceed expectations and get fives on their reviews. Who wants a three? Everybody wants a five, right? So I ended up assigning various projects to everybody on the team and thinking everybody saw, you know, careers as as I did, like a a stepping stone, you're moving up Mm. all the time. Mm. But I realized after um, implementing that, like, no, that's just some people. That's not all people. Like organizations take people who are wanting to lead and take on more and challenge themselves and grow. And and they also need people who just want to come in and roll up their sleeves and do a good job and Mm -hmm. come home. Like both are needed. So that was a really big lesson for me early on. And no, no one is more valuable than the other because organizational health requires both. Um, so I stopped applying my own desires and ambitions. Yeah, trying to lead yourself like, yeah. oh, everybody's like me. Totally. Yeah. Cause every, you know, every young leader probably thinks that like, who wouldn't want to climb this ladder? This is amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, that's such a, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I feel like that is such a common mistake in young leaders and probably experienced leaders too, if they're not careful. And mm-hmm. I've heard it explained, and this has been the most helpful way for me, but say I was leading 
you, Shannon, and Chandler, like, I have my Chandler hat that I wear, but then when I go lead Shannon, I have my Shannon hat that I wear, and everybody mm. gets their own hat, and you have to lead different people differently, because we're all mm. unique. We're all, yeah. we're all different in the way that we're led, so I think that's such a good good thing to talk about, and a good reminder for young leaders. Not everybody is like you, and not everybody <laughs> can be led the same way. Yeah, which, what you just said, Josh, is you have to understand and know those you're leading. Like, if yeah. you don't know what their strengths and weaknesses are, what their passions are, it's going to be hard to lead them, so. For sure. If I try to lead you with University of Memphis basketball analogies all day long, you're going to hate me. Oh, right? absolutely. But if I go Tennessee, I have as much influence with you all day, right? I'm just going to assume you're cheating if you're leading in that way. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're going to move on to our uh, ad placement here. Uh, before we get to the next question, let's take a moment and hear from our sponsor. <laughs> On this podcast, we hope to equip our listeners with the best resources to help churches thrive. So if you're looking at launching a thriving church in a rented venue, I encourage you to check out the team at Portable Church. Portable Church Industries equips churches meeting in alternative venues with total solutions so you can launch strong, be reproducible, and thrive in your communities. For over 25 years, they have partnered with church planners and multi-site leaders, mastering creative, intelligent, effective, portable church solutions. So you and your team stay focused on the things that matter, building disciples. See what this looks like by visiting portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Once again, that's portablechurch.com slash lifeway. Now back to the podcast. Shannon, what book do you wish someone gave you when you were just starting to lead? Yeah, so in 2010 is when Brian and I decided to quit our jobs and start Belay. And the very first business book I read was Jim Collins' Good to Great. Mm. And it's a classic. I'm sure a lot of your listeners have read it before. But for me, it was so influential. Um, and it, And I wish I had read it earlier on in my leadership, even if you don't own a company, I think if you're an emerging leader and you want to lead in a way that isn't about you, but it's about those that you lead and you want to lead with humility. I think it was the, like a pioneering book, um, in that, in that realm. So I would highly recommend it. It's such a good one. This is one I think that Chandler, we said, or I said, I can't remember who said, but like, Hey, once a year, yep, this is yep. a great book to pick yeah, up you and made that, reread. You made that statement on our top books of 2019. Yeah. Great, great book. Totally. Yeah. And I got to hear him speak. So oh, uh, I want to say it was like 2016 or so. Um, Dave Ramsey's organization put on an event in Dallas. It was a master series. No, it wasn't master series. It was a summit. And so like the big hitters, like Pat Lynchoni was there. Um, Jim Collins was there. George W. Bush was there. Oh my goodness. And, <laughs> what a conference. I, I was like, <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> uh, that, the whole George W. Bush thing, we'll talk about that in a minute if you want to, but that was great. <laughs> um, and I just remember hearing Jim Collins speak and I thought he is the embodiment of the research that he's been doing all of these years. Mm. Like You can just tell when you hear some people talk, if it's, all about them or if they're in it because of ego or pride or uh, fame or exposure. And he was just communicating in such a way that I was like, 
this is, you are the culmination of the research and the amazing leaders that you've studied throughout these years and seems so genuine. I was like, can we be friends? And he was like, no, I'm good. He's <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. I'll read the I'm book. just kidding. I didn't talk to him, but I wanted to, I wanted him to be my, my personal business mentor. <laughs> yeah. Right. That would be awesome. And I, I love what you said there because it, it really is just like a breath of fresh air when you are interacting or hearing someone speak who is behind the idea of a book. And it's like, they line up with everything that they're writing. Um, and I, somebody I follow on Instagram, Ron Edmondson, uh, we've had him on the podcast before he, um, he tweeted, he put his tweet on Instagram. I guess that's what people are doing these days. What is happening? Exactly. (laughs) But he said a leader can lose credibility when they, even just in the language that they use. So what you're saying there, Shannon, is just by listening to him speak, you could feel that he's that level five leader who leads with not only the other four, but also with humility, which is one of the biggest aspects of leadership. And uh, Ron was talking about when a leader can even just talk about their team, if they say my team or I accomplish this, and it's saying we accomplish this, my, this is our team. They, Mm -hmm. I work with them and the language uh, that people can use. And, you know, I didn't get to hear Jim speak, but I think even for, for those listening, your language in a simple, you get 30 minutes to have a first impression on someone. And for you, Shannon, you took away from, from Jim is, Hey, that guy is genuine and he's a humble leader, level five leader. So just a great reminder of that. Good reminder. And it's like the whole Maya Angelou quote, you know, people will rarely remember what you say, mm. but they will remember how you make them feel. Yeah. And I think that comes across in communication. I might not have gotten that quote just right, but you, you get the sentiment. It's right? close. It, it yeah. made me feel good. So it's close <laughs> it <did>. enough. <laughs> You know, Jim Collins and Pat Lencioni and, and Bush, man, they've been begging to be on the podcast, but we haven't really had a space for them. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if we can open up a spot. Yeah. Maybe we'll, pencil them in, maybe push some dates. Around. I mean, it was number one with Shannon and then everybody else. So I'm just glad we got this, we this podcast bumped in. We could have you, okay, Shannon. I'll, but, I'll, put, I'll make some calls. Yeah, we, we could have bumped you, but we said, you know, what, we're going with Shannon. This is the more important one. So, <laughs> hey, what was your biggest misconception as a young leader? Um... I think it was that there was a very uh, clear and, depo- and excuse me and defined path for my my profession. So I don't know that it is the prevailing wind today because I think you know we have analogies like the jungle gym, not a ladder. But for me in the early days, it just seemed like. Step A leads to step B and step B leads to step C. And you just keep climbing the ladder and taking on more without really evaluating what other sort of strategic moves you can make or other pursuits you could have that are not on that clearly defined path. And so when, like when Brian and I started Belay in 2010, I never thought we would quit our jobs at the same time, cash in our retirement and and start an organization that would be what it is today. Um, I thought that taking risk was something that maybe one person could do, but not both. Yeah. Um, It it seemed really insane to like walk away from health insurance and all of Mm -hmm. that. Um, So I think just being open to other paths that might make sense, even if they seem really risky at the time, um, ironically, both of the organizations, so the division that I was with at McKesson and then the company that Brian was working for when we started our companies, neither of them exist today. 
So the risk would have actually been to stay there. Yeah. Totally. Well, I mean, it's, it's a risk a either way. way. A bad risk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I would net it out to say, you know, if we didn't take the risk, we would have had regret. Mm. It's, it's so good, Shannon. I, I'm going to, I want to use my words in the right way here. So people understand, um, back to Seth Godin, purple cow. I, I think of, you know, he talks about marketing and what's going to make the difference They're They're driving through, um, Europe or some, someplace like that. And they're just all these cow fields with all these different cows. And he's like, well, what would have after like three or four hours seeing cow after cow after cow, they all look the same. And so he compares that to marketing. And so that, that's where the purple cow is. How do we make something different? That's unique. But his really theory behind it is risk is safe the safer bet is risk sometimes. And it really sounds like that's what you guys did by taking that bet. Like, Hey, the safest thing for us is to actually take a risk and lean into that. And as leaders, you have to do that sometimes. And I, I'm being careful because I'm not encouraging everybody just to <laughs> jump off the deep end here you yeah. know, and, and uh, sure. jump into risk. But a lot of times risk is the safest move in industry. And so that's really cool that you guys Cal- did that. Calculated risk. Calculated <laughs> risk. Calculated risk. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Now, you know, I was just thinking about this and Shannon, do you feel over the years, I mean, I feel like that has changed um, in, in the fact that you were saying, you know, kind of step one, step two, step three, I feel like maybe back in the fifties, that was how it was because there was less, entre- like you said, kind of the entrepreneurial uh, um, capabilities within our society right now are so much more. Um, so now I feel like everyone can start a business. I mean, you look at people can start an online course, people can sell products from Instagram. I mean, there's just so many ways to do it. Do you feel like that has been a big shift and that you've seen, I mean, especially with a virtual assistant company, I feel like, yes. Totally. I I have said before, I don't think there's ever been a better time to start a business. I mean, we have all Mm. of the tools like podcasts like this, books that are readily accessible, resources online, courses, like you said, I don't think it's ever been easier, well, more prevalent to be a business owner and easier to access yeah. how to do well. That's a big difference yep. from being an amazing leader. I think anybody can cr- turn a hobby into a business if they implement some strategies really well. Um, I think to grow something of size and of meaning requires a push on your leadership like never before. That's a great distinction. You can start something, but if you actually want it to grow and be successful, it's going to take time, effort, and energy and and good leadership. Um, So I I like that distinction. Let's get to uh, one of the last questions here. Now that you're older and and more mature, looking back, what are some of the qualities that you wish you had as a young leader? Empathy is Mm -hmm. probably the biggest one. Um, Really meeting people where they are. And knowing, like you said earlier, which hat to wear with them in, in leading. I think personality assessments are important for that. Spending meaningful time with those that you lead is important for that. Um, but I think that's something that, you know, thought leaders like Brene Brown have really emphasized mm-hmm. and, and put into our corporate vernacular that did not exist when I was a young leader. So, um, and I, I also think... Um, blending like who you are personally and professionally in the right balance is incredibly important because mm. I think that we've probably all seen examples of being done wrong mm, where, yeah. you know, you're too heavy on the personal side and you're just friends with everybody. But when a problem arises, you can't really lead through it because you've 
lost that authority with those that you lead. And then on the other side, you have the authoritarian figures who have no vulnerability and connection with those that they lead. And so it, it makes it really hard to follow them. So finding the balance between those, I think would be really important too. Yeah. And those leaders that you follow that have that great balance. I mean, it is, if you get too close, there's no authority. And if you have too much authority, it's like, I don't really want to work for this person. So it's a, Mm -hmm. it's a tough balance. Now I want to go back to the empathy piece, Um, especially with, for you, you have a lot of experience in in kind of the virtual uh, working kind of the virtual workplace. And I feel like empathy and connection is something that could be lost. You know, at Lifeway, we do have a work from anywhere culture. So on our team, we work uh, remotely, you know, one to two days out of the week, hop on Zoom calls, video conferences. And there's times where you can just be getting your work done and lose connection with other people. So, you know, maybe you're listening to this and and your job is shifting that way. Maybe uh, you want to shift that way. Shannon, can you just share a little bit of how to maintain the connection with others and the empathy piece of leading in a virtual workplace? That's a great question. Yeah. I love this question because I do think that either true virtual work where everybody's 100% distributed or some hybrid thereof is the prevailing wind um, with organizations. So I think a lot of leaders and companies are going to be asking this very question um, as the years go on. So uh, what I would say is just because you're working remote doesn't mean that you're not working with people. And I think you can find meaningful connections with people when you're not in the office together, sometimes even more meaningful. So from the very beginning, we've set Belay up as a distributed organization. We have no corporate office and we have about 1100 team members right now. Incredible. So we're all based in the U S working from home. And, um, some of the ways that we've established really true connections with, with not only our, our team, but then the clients that we're serving is um, Zoom meetings are vitally important. Being on video when possible is huge. Being accessible on chat so that it doesn't seem like you're just in this hole in your closet working you know, <laughs> feverishly away and not accessible and available to connect with other people. People, Um, we we have virtual happy hours, so people we'll just throw up a Zoom link for you know four thirty on a Thursday if we've got something cool to celebrate or whatever, and anybody who wants to hop on can, and we just shoot the breeze with no agenda. You bring your sweet tea and just hang out. Um, Belay buddies, so connecting people who do not work in the same department with each other. Um, Our HR department will coordinate that. You know, this month it's you know, Shannon and Chandler, and we get together on a 15, 30 minute zoom and just talk about where'd you grow up? Yeah. What about, do you have kids, you about, know, like any of that personal stuff. So that <laughs> you're, not a, we you're, do not, get, you're not allowed to be there. <laughs> <laughs> so that when we do get together face to face, which we also think there's value in that. And for us, it's quarterly. Um, you, you have those connections established and you know, people's stories and you know, that, they have a bigger reason for why they're here. That's good. One of the things that we've done, um, the organization that I work with is Student Life Camp. And one of the things that we've done is whenever you're remote, we we say, hey, camera on. We want to we have the camera on because yeah. we want to see your face. And we want to see how you're reacting to things and just make that connection. And it's helped a ton for any leaders that use Zoom or some type of video chat responsibilities. I think it also 
it just puts, it's easy when you don't see someone. And this, this isn't even just zoom. I feel like this is just kind of a generic statement, but if you don't see someone, there's suspicion there. Oh yeah. If, if your camera's off, it's man, Josh is tuned out and you can just assume. And then with the camera, I mean, on, of course you can, you can see that they're engaged, but you know, just overall, um, just, it feels better. It creates more trust. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. We, we require it too. I love that you brought that up and I take it one step further. And this was coaching that we got through Pat Lynchoni's organization, the table group. And um, we had a consultant several years back and we were the very first virtual organization he, he or any of his colleagues had ever worked with. So he's like, this is going to be fun for me. I'm going to figure out some you know, awesome. creative ways to serve you guys. And one of the things he said, he's like, not only does it make sense to me that you guys are always on video and that's required, but don't, don't be on mute. Take your mute off too. Mm. Because if you think about if we were sitting across from each other, it would yeah. be the equivalent of me being on my phone and you're trying to have a conversation with me, you know, and you have, if you have mute off, it, <laughs> it, you don't have to think, is this worthy of me saying, or does it just, you know, can I just free flow this? So even if it's a little clunky at times until you get used to communicating in that way, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you said that. So sounds like you didn't get Jim Collins as a business consultant, but you did get Patrick I mean, Lencioni. So I mean, too. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. It could be a 2020 goal. The year is still young. It's yeah. still young. Yeah. Well, hey, let's move to the quick hitters here All right. and uh, let's get started with this one. What is your ideal daily routine? So what time do you wake up, get into the office or do you start working from home, exercise, all that good stuff? Yep. So get up, exercise, get up around 545 work out from six to six 45, do all the kids stuff until about eight 30. Uh, they have a middle schooler and an elementary age kids. So their schedules are different. Um, and then kind of start going through, um, going through to do's for the day that maybe got carried over from the day before I try to stay out of my email until about 10 30 or so, because my assistant will do her initial sweep. That's awesome. And then distill down what I actually have to focus on and then, um, work on that for a while and do the same thing in the afternoon. Um, so that the, the critical thinking parts of the day are not spent in email and tasks, but yeah. creating content and things like that. Um, hang out with the family at dinner time, you know, six thirty, seven o'clock, go to bed at 10. That's like the ideal day. Yeah. Ideal day. You know, I'm going to look into Belay just so I can have somebody come through my email. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Shane, have you ever read the book? Have you read the book Deep Work by Cal Newport? I have it downloaded on my Kindle, but I have not read it yet. I've been reading it. it. I've been reading it and I won't try to quote this too much, but there's like four different types of deep work and I can't remember the names, but part of it reminded me of uh, kind of how your system is with your assistant um, of focus like pieces of the day. I think it's monastic, monastic work. I can't remember exactly what okay. it's called, but it's really, really interesting. When you read that, check it out. I bet it'll, I bet you'll relate to some of it. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's good. I'll revisit it. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite personality test? Oh, I feel like this is so obvious because everybody's talking about it. I want to come <laughs> up with something creative, but you know, I'm going to say the Enneagram. There it is. Oh. There it is. <laughs> I mean, forever it was Myers-Briggs and then it was DISC and now it's Enneagram and I am a seven. Seven? Yep. And for so long I tested as a three. Huh. I'm like, I don't like this. I don't feel like I'm a three. Um, but I, I had to get into a state where I stopped overthinking all the answers to the questions. Right, <laughs> like right. the answer 
<laughs> true honesty and thinking back to when I was younger and I was like, there it is. I knew I'd be a seven eventually if I kept trying hard enough, which is a very three thing to say. So maybe, <laughs> so maybe still a three. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it. I just ratted myself out, I think. <laughs> what's your, what's your Myers-Briggs? Uh, e, uh, it's been a minute. ENTJ? Brian's INTJ. I'm ENFP. ENFP. Okay. ENFP. Cool. Awesome. What is an unusual habit that helps you in your leadership? Okay. So I kind of alluded to it just now with the email, but I think a lot of leaders feel like checking things off the list, productivity equals great leadership. Mm. When you have an assistant that you can trust and delegate to, you actually find different and higher capacity uses of your time. So for me, it's really only being an email for about 30, 45 minutes a day. That's depending inc- on what's going on. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's incredible. Is, that's, that's a yeah. goal for me right there. <laughs> <laughs> now it's not to say I'm not in you yeah. know tasks and she's distilling things down for me or whatever. But, um, I think that's like, it seems unimaginable for some leaders who are especially in startup mode and just yeah. getting started, you know, funds are an issue. I, I get that. This is, you know, almost 10 years in the making. So yeah, a goal to shoot for. Yeah. And I think what's, what's really key there is, is kind of focusing on, especially for you, Shannon, as uh, the, I know that you're the kind of the leader at Belay. What is it that's going to move the needle most for the company? It's not going to be you in your email <laughs> checking every single yeah. email that comes in, but it's instead that head down work that's actually going to move the company forward. So I think you're really utilizing your time well there. Well, and it, it has evolved over time because I'm in a season of transition right now where Brian and I have appointed a, C, a new CEO to lead Belay. So I'm even less in the day to day than I ever have been before. Um, so it's Trisha. Uh, who's been working with us for really since day one um, and has been our COO for a number of years has now as of January 1st been appointed CEO. So so that we can really sit in the role of co-chair and um, co-founder and start another organization called Own Not Run, which will help other business leaders figure out how to migrate from that position of CEO or president to the owner box. That's awesome. What is your favorite app on your phone right now? Hey, I'm a podcast girl. I love me some podcasts. So Overcast, I spend probably the most time in there. Okay. Okay. Good to know. So I use Overcast as well. We were actually talking about this last week. You use the podcast app? Podcast app. Okay. That's what it's called. Um, So I know you like podcasts, but let's go to books real quick. What has been the best book that you've read in the past six months? Talking with Strangers, the new Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, I saw that. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's really good. I think he does a masterful job of talking about some really hot button hmm. topics um, in a in a way that just makes us rethink how we interact with others. And I think that conversation is so important in our society right now because we make a lot of snap judgments about people and a lot of false assumptions that um, in reading his book just make it clear that that it's not always the best way to move about the world. Mm, That's really good. What one sentence advice would you give someone going into a leadership position for the very first time? Replace yourself. Mm. Um, Know that leadership is temporary. Um, It's, you know, back to Andy Stanley, it's a stewardship. It's something that we're given for a season of time. And I would encourage young leaders, even when it seems 
ahead of, of when it should be, or even irresponsible at times, so always be looking for somebody who can replace you in what you do. Um, because incrementally over time, as you grow, as your organization grows, you will need somebody to take over those things that you've evolved beyond doing. Um, so always be looking to replace yourself. Mm, that's so good. And it goes back to, I mean, we were talking about the belay and having somebody help you climb higher. Yep. I mean, yep. that's exactly what you're talking about there. So Love it. all comes full circle. All comes full circle. Good, good job. <laughs> Chandler, do I, do I get to close today as well? Oh, sure. I mean, we'll, we'll see, we'll see intro, how you do. Yeah. So, all right, Shannon. So this is a special day because I got to open <laughs> and I get to close. So I'll let you so judge hard. me. <laughs> Give me a rating afterwards. Great, by the way, you're doing a great job. Oh, <laughs> this, thank you. Such a relief. I was really worried, man. Shannon, thank you so much for joining us today. It really has been a pleasure hanging out with you. Check out Belay Solutions. They're on Instagram. I'm sure there's a website somewhere. Shannon, what's the web, what's the web address? Yeah, BelaySolutions.com. Check it out. There it is. It's awesome. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today and sharing about your leadership journey and your time as a young leader and and to our listeners. Thank you so much for listening today. You guys are awesome. Uh, we hope that this has been helpful to you in your leadership. And if it has been, go over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review and help other young leaders find the podcast. How was that? That was, was great. Pretty good. Hey, if you guys like Josh opening and closing, oh, go leave a review. Go leave a review. Give him some affirmation. Me he some needs it. And I'll take it from Chandler. <laughs> I'll take it. Thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>